Hello there, this is Olivia from Ozone Podcast. I like to listen to people talk about things. So here's a really good network for people talking about things. It's actually called the Discussing Network because it's people talking about things. Enjoy! Where did she come from? From me. From you? How? I'd like to see you try that. She's my daughter. Hello, Dad. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and joining me on this podcast, Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Doing well, man. Glad to be on another show. How are you doing, man? I can't complain. Can't complain at all. I, I enjoyed watching this, so I, I can't wait to talk about it. But what about you? What's going on with you? Ah, nothing much, man. Just ready to talk some more. All right, good deal. And someone who I know is jumping up for joy to talk about Doctor Who tonight, Lee Shackelford. Lee, how are you? I'm jumping up and down for joy. Uh, yeah. Because we're talking about Doctor Who, right? Exactly. So how? So how, what's going on with you? How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. The uh, the recovery of the uh, the mess in our house has has been going well, and uh, I'm sitting here in a gutted room. But other than that, it's uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's a little depressing <laughs> when you're looking at the studs. And uh, but um, uh, yeah, but it's all it's all uh, going pretty well. Good deal. Good deal. Well, before we started recording, I got a message from our friend Nicole. Who mm-hmm. uh, was asking about uh, us and was saying that she had just listened to the Santaran strategy and wasn't available to get on with us tonight, but she said her oh. hellos. So I'm saying yeah. then to you guys, hello from Nicole. Hello from Nicole. And that is too bad because she follows David Tennant and uh, Georgia Moffat. So it would have been great to have had her on this episode. <laughs> uh, so, but there you go. But anyway, hi, Nicole. Yes. And for anyone listening, Nicole says hi. So, and yeah. uh, she will have to come back on with us like very, very soon. But I have one piece of news. I only have one piece of news, but not much news. But I like them. Have either of you been familiar with a Doctor Who or Who's Your Favorite Doctor? It's something Doctor Who TV does every year of Who's Your Favorite Doctor? Are either of you familiar with that? No, this is news to me. And neither am I. Well, I got wind of it a couple of years ago because I think in years past, it's pretty much been consistent. I hope I'm being correct in what I'm saying that Tom Baker has been the winner, but he got dethroned a couple of years ago. And of the other doctors, who do you guys think might would have dethroned Tom Baker as being voted the favorite doctor? I'm going to say 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it almost seems too easy to say David Tennant, yeah, but, but um, uh, that's yeah. kind of what I think is the answer here. So, <laughs> so for 2019, 2019, any guess as to between a face-off between Tom Baker and David Tennant, who won? <laughs> Jody Whitaker. No. <laughs> no. No. No, David Tennant won again. So I just I thought see. that was appropriate to say since we're reviewing David Tennant. But sad to say, speaking of Jodie Whittaker, she kind of fell out in round one or two. She got, like, on her first two times, she didn't fare so well. Um, she got paired with Hartnell. 65% voted for him. 34.4% voted for her. See, her other face-off was, again, Colin Baker. And Colin actually won 54.65% to her 45.35. And that pretty much put her out of the competition bracket that they had. So she didn't do too good. Thoughts? Well, there is a lot of Jody hate. So <laughs> I don't know. I could, I could see why she wouldn't have made it any further, you know. They have all this history with these other doctors, and she's fairly new. So, yeah, let's see what it is in like three or four years. See if she get knocked out so easily. Uh, you know, one season. We only have one season. Very, yeah. Very good point. Very, very good way to put it. 
Yeah. Very good way to put it. Anybody listening, the face-offs that they did are quite interesting to see how, say, the seventh and the second doctor, the ninth and the third, how they, in the voting, went back and forth with each other. So that was really, really interesting to watch, to, to see. So I'll put that in the show notes. So guys, do you have any other news before we go to a break real quick and then come back for our review? I do. I got nothing. Uh, you're just too, you guys are just too excited to talk about the episode. That's what it is. <laughs> All right. For anyone listening, we will be right back after this quick message. Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreached.com. And one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. This is Nadia from the Relativity Podcast, and you're listening to Discussing Who. For me, this is the one of the most fun parts I have of doing this podcast, and this is when I tell you, if you have not seen this episode, if you have not seen the one we are about to view, which is the Doctor, or not view, review, which is the Doctor's Daughter, put us on pause, go out and watch that episode, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 So the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review The Doctor's Daughter. This is the sixth episode of the 2008 series of Doctor Who, featuring the 10th Doctor, Donna Noble, and Martha Jones. This episode is a continuation of the previous episode in that the action begins at the conclusion of the Suntaran, or well, not the Suntaran stratagem, the Poison Sky. It originally aired on the 10th of May, 2008. So Clarence Brown, summary view. What say you? I really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed how it explored maybe uh, how if you're fighting for so long, you may forget why you're actually fighting. <laughs> so I thought that was really cool to see that kind of displayed by this accelerated generations that we'll get into. But, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. And Jenny, just uh, beautiful. <laughs> is right. that a criticism? Is that is that a real no, no, no. Uh, feedback? Is that, you know, hey. is that... Uh, <laughs> we're just... <laughs> yeah. that, that was, we're, we're talking about first impressions. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, Lee, what about you? Um, I, once again, had the experience of, of kind of dragging my feet to go back and watch this because I remembered it as an episode I didn't care for very much and had and had a, a great time. I I had forgotten all about the Hoth, for example, the Hath, and um, I thought that was very interesting. That's sort of sort of Martha's solo adventure in the midst of all this. So uh, I thought that was terrific. But uh, yeah, so I had a lot of fun. How about you? Well, true to form, I'm going to pretty much follow up saying that mm-hmm. I agree with both of you. I yeah. found you need things, some original ideas. I know. I liked the energy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, of course she's pretty, you know, but I like the energy <laughs> that, uh, Jenny brought to the, you know, to the story. And, um, I, I like that. I loved Martha going out and doing her own thing. And I continue to like the interaction between her and Donna. I actually would have loved to have had her, Donna, and the doctor in every single episode of this series. I think that would have worked well because I liked how they played off of it. Mm-hmm. And I liked the commentary. I think that they gave that Clarence mentioned about if that we forget about what we're fighting about. I have a question for you guys later about that split thing. But yeah, overall, me too. <laughs> but overall, I like this episode. I want to ask Clarence a question. So at the beginning, when they materialize, you know, the, or the TARDIS materializes, they step out. They're confronted with. 
people, these soldiers at gunpoint. And the lead soldier, did he look familiar to you? Klein was. I really didn't even pay him much attention. Who is he? So yeah. I was looking at him and I had to be told who he was because I didn't think. I thought his uh, character, another character that he had played on another or portrayed on another show, Game of Thrones, was Podrick, but it wasn't. It was Gendry or Gendry or however you pronounce his. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, he's too tall to play uh, Pod, Podrick. <laughs> but, but, but I think, you know, being a little bit younger, his face looked fatter and then, or, you know, fuller and his hair was different because he had short hair in Game of Thrones. But still, I kept looking at him and I'm like, wait, where have I seen you before? And then, you know, I figured out, oh, that's who you are. So, yeah, pretty, pretty good. I did not catch that one. That's a pretty good find. So, so speaking of him, what did you think of that? scene where they're immediately confronted with these soldiers what did you think what were what were your immediate first impressions of that scene? uh as far as them uh kind of uh, looking for the marks and stuff with the doctor yeah, and crew exactly um i thought it was fine uh, i think they pretty much were putting us in a position where they wouldn't give us all the information so we had to kind of guess as with the doctor and you know team tardis exactly what was kind of going on you know, we find out they're kind of in this war and, you know, little information there, but soon they're ambushed. So, you know, just the initial interactions, very little information, uh, just being held at gunpoint, kind of. And, you know, we kind of are just thrown into it to kind of figure out what's going on from there. All right. Lee, what about you? Um, I just I guess I just thought, here we go again. We've, if you're a fan of the classic series, you've seen this six million times. So speaking of six million and one times, my <laughs> my question on this was, okay, yes, here here we go again. And then was it because the doctor was the one that was speaking? But why? And this was the only, well, not the only problem, but one of the problems I had with this episode is you take the doctor and you put his hand in the converter, don't take Martha, and you don't take Donna. Why, if they're trying to replicate soldiers, why didn't they choose them as well? Mm. Now, I can't remember, but didn't they get immediately ambushed once uh, Jenny's regeneration was complete Mm. or creation was complete? Yeah, I don't I don't think there's much time after um, her generation, but I, I might be wrong on that. Good, good. Good call. If, if that's uh, excuse true. me, progenation. I'm saying that wrong. Progenation. Progenation. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. What do you think? But uh, um, I, I think just because it serves the story. Um, but um, you know, it, it wouldn't. If it was Martha's daughter, that would be interesting. If it was Donna's daughter, that would be interesting. But for it to be the doctor's daughter brings us to you know the yeah eponymous hero of the story and this. Um, this revelation that he's been a father before and really sends him through a crisis. Um, and so that's a lot more interesting. If I were writing this and somebody put a gun to my head and said, we need an explanation of why they choose the doctor and not him, I would say that the, to do the, um, the, the genetic duplication, you have to have, um, X and Y chromosomes. <laughs> okay. Which, which Martha and Donna don't have. Mm, good. Good sense. Makes sense. I, I'm scared of this question. Which, and I assume the doctor does. I just realized <laughs> he's an alien. I don't know. Yeah. So what were your thoughts overall on Jenny in general? What did you think of this character, Jenny? I, I kind of think Lee said it in the sense that, you know, the doctor is our hero of our story. I mean, sort of like, you know, Superman's son, Batman's son, you know, what makes them interesting is kind of because they are the offspring of this, you know, our hero. And as far as her portrayal, I think she she had come to possess all of the qualities that make a companion fun. Mm-hmm. But with that added layer of, of, oh, she is a Time Lord. And if she's to follow follow after her father, I mean, she has all this potential to be great. Uh, and that's kind of what made me kind of gravitate to the character so much and want to see more of this character, even post this story, which... I wish we got more of her after this, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. So what about you, Lee? What did you think? Um, it's interesting. My wife and I were just talking about this today because this is where her line of work and mine overlap. And we, we talk about this often. That when, a, when you see a character portrayed on stage or screen or anywhere, 
what you're seeing is a collaboration. You're seeing the script and you're seeing what the performer brings to bringing the script to life. And what you see as an audience member is the actor. And what you hear them say is what came from the script. But the way they say it comes from that actor. And the idea of having this new soldier, this killing machine, be a young woman is in itself kind of subversive because we still, in our culture, don't think of little young women as being soldiers. They are, but we, you know, we just don't think that way. And so in the casting here, you get cute as a button, little blonde haired Georgia Moffat who looks like a Barbie doll. Yeah. Except she has the proportions of a real human. But, uh, <laughs> so everything about us is screaming. That's not a soldier. So this is wrong. What they've done to her is an injustice. And she plays it with this kind of bright eyed, this almost pixie-ish kind of, uh, yeah, let's do that. Okay. This is what I'm good at. Hey, let's, yeah. no, I've got a question. Let's, you know, which is, uh, just as Clarence said, sh- sh- that would be great in a companion, wouldn't it? Well, it's Joe Grant, right? Uh, she, she's like, she's auditioning to play Joe Grant. And in fact, Georgia Moffat <laughs> did try out to be Rose Tyler, you may know, but. So I, I think, I just think she's terrific. She's a whole lot of fun. And, but I'm also thinking ahead as a writer. I'm thinking, well, we can't have her hanging around forever. She's the doctor's daughter. They're going to have to kill her off before this is over. And, and they do. And then when we miraculously bring her back to life and g- give her a spaceship, um, I remember the first time and I thought it again, watching it recently, just thinking, eh, that really feels tacked on. That really feels like yeah. they just couldn't. They just couldn't bear to <laughs> kill her off, even though, I don't know. Yeah. But, but, you know, as you say, you'll notice we've never seen her again. So Interesting uh, that it was uh, another Moffat it, that convinced RTD to change that in as a, even though he denies that the, the urban legend is Stephen Moffat can RTD to have the ending changed so that she died. Yeah, right. Yeah. Spelled spelled differently, but yeah, yeah. We, we should talk about the elephant in the room, which is that her father is Peter Moffat, <laughs> whose professional name is Peter Davison. He was the fifth doctor, the doctor that David Tennant watched growing up, and so he was a big fan. And now they are husband. This, they met on this show. This is where they met. It's um, David, not uh, Peter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would, yeah. Um, As we were saying last week, that does make it particularly hilarious that her first line <laughs> in the show is, hello, dad, because he's the doctor. It's uh, This is just a new face that he's wearing, but it's he's still – the fifth doctor is still in there somewhere. Um, but, um, yeah. All right. So yeah, since – and no, go ahead. I was going to add, like, in their chemistry on screen together is pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious that yeah. they kind of have this this glow about them. Yeah, as grim yeah. as the doctor has to be through this, it, they do still seem to kind of take him with each other. Yeah. So. And, and if I'm not mistaken, this is when they met. So the chemistry yeah. obviously mm-hmm. was there from the start because I think yeah. this 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 was their meeting each other. They yeah. had a baby together not long after this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Write your own fan fiction about that. So, but, yeah. So, you know, for me, since you said, you know, the elephant in the room of, you know, who her biological, as in the actress, parentage is, mm-hmm. separating her importance in the lineage now, especially of Doctor right. Who, is I think just on her own, she added something that made Jenny effervescent is a good yeah. word that pops into mm-hmm. my head. You yeah. know, the, the, there there was an energy about her that was very appealing and very welcoming. And I, I think that would, um, I think that's why a lot of people wanted to see more of her was she, she just had a very um, outgoing personality. And you, you know, if you follow her on Instagram, it's not David Tennant that is posting left, right, and center. It's look at my father and my uh, yes. husband changing a light bulb, and with a mm-hmm. caption, "How many doctors does it take to change a light bulb?" <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. She does seem like she's just fun and funny, and yeah, just a charming person. And she's given up acting to be a full time mom. Which now that they've got four kids, that makes sense. Wow. Um, but um, yeah. You know, you you raise a really good point, Kyle, that I've been thinking that the reason why I sort of felt that it was a cop-out to bring her back to life at the end 
was just because they didn't spend much time with it. And it felt like, um, it had been added, but just because I, I thought that's kind of silly that now we have another time Lord out there and the doctor's going to pretend like that isn't true. That he's going to go on saying he's the last uh, save, save the master, of course. Um, well, no, the master's dead now too. Isn't he? Mm, yes. Um, but, but I think I think I think the point that you raise is really good. Is that what people were responding to is not the idea of there being a, a another time lord, but the, the fact that uh, Georgia Moffat is still out there. <laughs> you know that just she her performance here, she's so winning that we just want that to go on forever. So I'm curious what the, you know. There is a scene in there where the actress has to, and I know there was a stunt double. She has to jump through lasers. What did you guys think of <laughs> of that scene, Clarence? I'm curious. Uh, uh, that was just the ultimate cheese. I did not <laughs> like that. Like, what are we in Mission Impossible now? What's yeah. going on? It's <laughs> it's lovely to watch, but just about anybody watching it has to call. No way. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, many people have pointed out that her feet. For example, cross through the beams that are like five feet up <laughs> several times on the way through. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. She looked like hamburger by the time she got to the end of that. <laughs> but, but the whole but idea. It is fun. Yeah. But the whole idea that, oh, well, I'm a time lady. And guess what? Here I go. <laughs> I'm born being able to do this. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, in, in the tradition of Kyle's usual puns, I could, I will say this before we move on to, mm. to other parts of the story. You know, if I had to take David Tennant and say, okay, for a minute, I'm going to imagine the doctor being a woman. I could picture the doctor being a blonde headed woman. I don't think that's too hard mm. to imagine. Never happened. Never happened. No. Let's move on to the, the half or the half out. However you want to say it. And I think the they human. have to say Hath so we don't think we're talking about the ice planet in Star Wars. Of Hoth. Gotcha. An A versus an O, we yeah. could say. What did you guys think of the conflict of the Hath or the versus the human? And um, Clarence, why don't you take that first? What did you think of the overall conflict? I mean, I think you mentioned it last week where, you know, <laughs> we tend to group together and they have an obvious connection because they're different species slash races. I don't know. I hated the design of the hat. I really hated it because it just looked stupid to me. <laughs> but as, as far as like the concept of, of who they are in this story, I don't think we got a lot of background information on them as a, as a species. We mostly got the human side, which I think if you look at the total story, it's kind of some kind of similar paths, but we really don't get anything really specific to them. So really, all I have to go on is their look, and I didn't like their look. So, uh, what, what about you guys? They they don't speak a language that Martha can understand, and Martha's been through the TARDIS. Uh, but later on, it seems that they can understand her, which I don't understand. That's very convenient. So. They're, they're, they're uh, a, a different race that's been whipped up just so we can say, look, there's an obvious conflict between these two because they're different species. And that's all you need to know. And that's funny. I would never have used the word stupid looking, but <laughs> but I'm trying to think of a better way of saying it. Yeah. No, Clarence is right. They're stupid looking. <laughs> they, they probably think the same thing of us. But um, yeah, but but really, isn't it kind of the the ood? They're uh, an organic race who have a sort of a permanently retrofitted mechanical device or, or, or are we to understand that they can't breathe the atmosphere or something where the humans are? And so they have to have the liquid tank on their, on their face to be where they are. There's, there's no explanation of this. And so I just, I, I, I uh, the thing about the, the thing on their face, it, the water just bubbled. That's it. You know, it's not connected to anything that looks like it's swishing in or out of somewhere. It just like bubbles, green water yeah. that bubbles. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe it's, maybe that's recreational. Maybe they're, they're it's like they're smoking. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and and, and let, let, let me follow up my stupid just a bit. <laughs> as far as there being anything near a believable race, just like the texture and stuff of the way their head looked just didn't look it looked like it was thrown together to me. So I, I it I don't know. To me they rake down there with the Slovene. Um <laughs> Ooh, that's rough. Yeah, that, I didn't like them. 
I, you know, I, I'm kind of, I didn't, I actually dislike the humans more than I liked the Hoth. <laughs> we're, we're not talking about us personalities, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, we're talking about science. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah, then, then yeah, they were stupid. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice quote. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you, you called it very well. They, they're, they're, they're darn right stupid looking. The ones that were acting stupid looking, which were the humans, what did you guys think? Or, or let me ask you this, since it's been a while since you've seen it, and we had Donna being not stupid, who is looking at these numbers and trying to say, okay, there's something going on here, and she kept writing down the number. What did you guys think of the big revelation of they haven't been around for generation? They've been around for seven cycles of hours of 24, assuming. Yes. What did you guys think of the big reveal that it had only been seven days? Well, I said it in 2008, and I said it again uh, when I watched this uh, yesterday. I said, What? I mean, I mean that's a fun idea, but it needs to be explained. How, how, how in the world could the the meaning of these symbols on the wall have been lost to antiquity if it was last week? Was there something that I missed? We've been fighting so long, we don't remember anymore why we're fighting. It was. It's been a week. <laughs> I mean, added to the fact that when they were generated, they're uh, I guess ingrained with a mentality to fight. But we can't pass along valuable knowledge about the past. <laughs> like what the sign on the wall means? <laughs> yeah. So you can teach. So does that. So, so let me ask you this. Instead of saying that this is absurd, was it something of utter sheer brilliance of this writer by saying that we as a human being or a species pass along the ability to shoot a gun, but not the ability to tell time. Well, and if it's if that's supposed to be social satire, then I would have to agree that's spot on because we we do know more about weapons than we do about our own history, and that is, I mean, about how to, how to hurt each other. <laughs> then I mean, I think that's just demonstrably true. All of us who teach know that that's that's a problem. Uh, we don't know our own history, so uh, yeah, maybe that maybe that was. Uh, this is Stephen Greenhorn, who I think uh, is not somebody whose scripts writing we've seen a lot over here. So maybe that maybe that's his idea. Or I don't could, know. could it be more likely that it was someone thinking that they were being clever and it just didn't pay off the way that they might have intended? Well, you know what often happens is that I, I can really imagine this, that Stephen Greenhorn turned in a script that was 90 minutes long. And they cut and they cut and they cut on it until they got it into the 58 minutes they need here. And along the way, they kind of cut out the part that explained all of that. I mean, th that happens all the time. So, you know, I I'd be willing to guess that that's whatever, that it really was a good idea. It just, you know, oops. <laughs> and sometimes it's not until the episode is ready to go out on the air that the showrunners look at it and go, oh, dear. <laughs> We cut the part that explained what the hell's going on here. So, yeah. No, I was just going to add, though, I, I, I do think it, even though they are pro, what progenated with this mentality to fight and be a soldier, I do think it brought up an interesting um, view of uh, uh, nurture versus nature or nature versus nurture. And whereas Jenny was. Um, I guess predisposed to fight. Uh, she was she was born with the nature to fight or be a soldier, but somehow in the short time the doctor had with her, um, he was able to kind of uh, steer her away from that. Which mm -hmm. I wonder was her nature really not to do that anyway because she was the doctor's child. So I, it was a little confusing <laughs> if you're looking at it from that point of view. But I do like where she had this kind of conflict of, you know, whether I want to kill people or, you know, have fun with the doctor. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, no, I, I Clarence, I was wondering about that too. And when, when uh, watching it again, it struck me that um, when Cobb shoots Jenny, there are two soldiers right behind him who immediately restrain him. They wrestle him to the ground. They, they yes. don't. They don't join in the fight. Their their attitude is, "Hey, hey, hey! Enough of that! Hey, hey!" Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. 
And then also, like, it's only been like seven days a week. You telling me nobody survived in those seven days? Not one person? Yeah, the half are killing machines, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and the thing that doesn't get me, see, I think this would have this entire conversation that we're having in the last, say, three to five minutes. Mm. If whoever was writing this, the guy that you just mentioned a minute yeah. ago, if he mm. would have added a zero onto that and changed seven to 70 and, and days yeah. to years, yeah. I could even buy that, you know, that it's been 70 years because you can at least say that people are dying and they're being, you mm. know, repugnated or whatever. And there's at least been enough time for those people that you guys just mentioned to have died off. Mm -hmm. Then it would have made a little bit more sense. I think by saying seven days, you weren't being clever. You cheated and cheapened the story. I agree. Yeah. I can see why it it avoids some logistic problems. I mean, if if they're the only people they are, that, that they're the only people that exist, then they all need to be more or less the same age. Does that make sense? Yep. There wouldn't be room for there to be little kids or, or much older people. And that's what would happen if this has been going on for 70 years. But Cobb is clearly older than a lot of his men. So, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. You can't examine this story too closely. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of <laughs> comes unglued. All right. Well, you know, speaking <laughs> of coming unglued, yeah. let, let me mention this because this was something else that I wanted to comment on that is – you know, we're talking logistics of the biology, but let's talk the metaphysical just for a minute, because they transform a terraforming device into uh-huh. a goddess. Yeah. And does that, in a way, say something about we, again, as a people, that we have to explain what we cannot explain, and thus by doing so, any explanation, as a very wise person I've said on this podcast before, said to me one, if someone just gives me an explanation, as long as I have that explanation, that's better than not having nothing at all or something to that effect. Yeah, I do kind of feel like that's what happens here. I, I, yeah, I, I think of all the things in this story that I don't understand, that business I understood least of all. Now, I could, I could kind of see them thinking of the terraforming device as a god slash goddess in a sense of it's going to be it's supposedly going to be the creator of their new world mm-hmm. so i could see as the story uh, goes as far as the generations maybe that that notion of it being the creator of the new world being lost over the seven days of <laughs> generations mm-hmm. and, and they come to see it sort of as as a god now i don't see how i got skewed into being a weapon though i don't i don't see that part i don't well, I'm thinking about how this works in uh, Wrath of Khan, that the Genesis device can create a whole new world. But if there was already a world there and you let the Genesis device loose on it, it'll destroy everything. Yeah. So, so maybe it's kind of like that. You know, I will say that when I was making my notes for this particular episode, I kept thinking this reminds me a little bit in a different way of something else. And what is that something else? And what I realized was this has a similar tone or a similar story to a 10th, no, excuse me, the 10th season or series, but it is the 12th Doctor's era. When he and Bill go to this place that nothing is left but bones and the people are all asleep, where there were the robots that you had to mm. smile with. Yeah, and, smile. That's yes, and it, and it all had to do with not being what we thought. And mm. there are similar mm-hmm. story points in this and Smile, because ultimately the two factions have to, at the end, learn to live with each other. That's right. All right. So I have a quick question for the two of you. Before we get into our favorite quote and our favorite scene, did either of you have any other thoughts or comments about this that we haven't talked about? Boy, I do. I want to point out uh, that once again, I was really excited uh, back when this episode first aired to see that one of my favorite actors was going to be in it. And uh, one of the things I've been thinking about as we've been going through the series again is how often the series has managed to get almost like a, a little prize. These great actors of, of stage screen and television. And sometimes 
enjoyed with having Derek Jacoby on this show. What a great turn for him. He, he basically got to play two characters, right? I mean, what, what, what fun that is. But in uh, the Planet of the Ood, we had Tim McInerney, who is an amazing, amazing performer, squandered. He plays this one-note melodrama villain, you know. Eh. David Suchet turns up in the 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 the, uh, the Thirteenth Doctor's adventure, yeah, and, knock, and knock. I think we all knock knock. Thank you, and I think we all kind of came away from that saying, "Eh, uh, not really. <laughs> it's it's, it's okay. twelve. Uh, yeah, it's a twelfth Doctor adventure. Yeah, knock knock. Uh, we didn't say who's the- right. <laughs> We just leave the door closed. Yeah. What a waste of having David Suchet. Well, here's Nigel Terry playing General Cobb. And a lot of people, if they don't know his face, they know his voice because he's King Arthur in the great film Excalibur. Mm. And and even before that, he was uh, the, the horrible, horrible Prince John in The Lion in Winter. That that takes him back to 1968. Wow. Um, I mean, he's just, uh, he really, he just had a long, wonderful career, just sadly passed a few years ago. Um, but he, but he, he is a terrific actor. And I think for just the few minutes of screen time he gets here, he nails it, man. I believe Cobb completely. I mean, he is the kind of person who would gun that little girl down just because she's different from him. You know, that's who Cobb yeah. is. Yep. And he does, and he doesn't have a lot of time to communicate that to us, but, but Nigel Terry, Puts it across the footlights. So, what a guy! What a guy! So, yeah. So this time they did not waste the actor, and I was very pleased. So, anything else you wanted to toss in there, Clarence? Or oh man, I think I have a few. Um, Martha getting kidnapped in initial fight se- sequence—that was it, it. Made no sense to me. It made no sense. How did she get kidnapped? I don't know. Hmm. Um, just weird. Okay, has everybody seen Solo? Yeah. Um, a Star Wars story. Yes. So uh, the the naming of Jenny, uh, which Donna did from generated, generated Jenny, generated Jenny, kind of mm-hmm. reminded me of the whole solo naming of how it was just like <laughs> coincidental and weird in a way. And uh, when did when did Donna learn that the Doctor had two hearts? I don't remember this happening, or even of the stethoscope. That's actually a good one. It really is. I feel sure that. Seen him pull the stethoscope out of his pocket before, but mm. I can't remember when. Mm. Uh, oh, I know Love when. And the and yeah? the tenth Doctor's uh, and Donna Noble's Big Finish adventures. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember available now at bigfinish dot com. Uh, yeah, hmm. well, it's it's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I I found it harder to believe that. Um, um, oh, Charlie! Now I'm forgetting the line. I have to I have to look up the the line of dialogue from the show. But but Donna said something that, once again, I said, wow, she's getting smarter every day. Um, yeah, well, the whole numbers, for instance. I mean, well, how did, did I, I didn't really expect her to be the one to figure that out. Uh, it just felt, to me, that this has been like one of the things that felt uh, the greatest out of character for her, for her, to me, is to be able to figure out these numbers, which the doctor and, and Jenny are both oblivious to. I mean, she... She does it, <laughs> yeah. Somehow, but but that is one of those things where, like like I as Kyle was saying, like I always say, offer me some kind of explanation, and I think and I like that better than just blowing past it. And in this case, she said she's always been a temp, and this is yeah. the thing, the one thing she's been good at is paying attention to numbers, and that's why she keeps getting hired. Um, so oh. you know, I'll buy that. Um, See, I'm going to take it actually in just a tiny bit different direction mainly because i like donna which is i see donna with the doctor being presented with opportunities that sylvia never gave her because she was constantly that's really true that that she's using skills that she may have had all along whether it be as a temp or whether it be as whatever that she's finally having somebody that takes her seriously and I just think what we're seeing is confidence building and by confidence, maybe natural ability or maybe it's just that Kyle likes Donna. But um, that's my two cents. Though. Yeah, but I did find the line of dialogue here. So, uh, well, well, I think there's a lot to what you say that is true. But here's the exchange. Jenny says, so you don't have a name either. Are you an anomaly, too? The doctor says, no. And Donna immediately says, oh, come off it. You're the most anomalous bloke I've ever met. <laughs> Donna knows the word anomalous. Really? <laughs> mm, yeah, I got, uh, I, I got to give you that I mean, one. 
I, I understand that uh, she's gained confidence and she's she has a new view of the world, but she picked up a novelist somewhere anyway. So let's move on uh, yeah. to our favorite quote. So Clarence, what was your favorite quote from this episode? Mine kind of goes in tandem with my favorite scene. So can I say what my favorite scene absolutely. is? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. My favorite scene is uh, Jenny seducing the guard. That was <laughs> That was great. What you like about that, Clarence? Oh, the um, yeah, it's just a, a piece of uh, cinematic art. No, it was yeah. great. <laughs> it was great. I, as the doctor and Donna looks on, like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> with, with Donna with, says, "I'd like to see you try that." <laughs> yes, which goes right into my favorite quote: "Is uh, the." Donna says that, you know, I want to try next. I picked up some feminine wilds along the way in my my years or something. To which the doctor says, let's save your wilds for later in case of emergency. Emergency. (laughs) Yeah, just, oh, I love that, those two scenes. They're so good. (laughs) Donna's face after he says that is priceless, too. (laughs) Okay. So, Lee Shackelford, before I go with my favorite quote. Uh Yeah, it's hard to pick a favorite scene. Um, but, um, golly, um, even though I object to it sort of from a screenwriter point of view, the whole business of Jenny, uh, uh, gasping out Artron energy as we've seen so many times before <laughs> and then, and then immediately taking a spaceship and arcing off into the air. It is beautiful. It is just. Yeah. Fun. It's like, wow, you know, she's going to be okay. Favorite line may need some context, but if you've seen the episode, I guess you'll know. But when the doctor says, then you need to get yourself a better dictionary. And when you do look up genocide, you'll see a little picture of me there in the caption over my dead body. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So good. Yeah. So good. (laughs) So, so that, that one, as far as the, that was actually a very good um, quote, but I will say, that Clarence, you have very good pick your opinion in the idea of your favorite quote. You have very good taste because my favorite <laughs> quote was, let's save your wiles for later in case of emergency. <laughs> so very, very good, uh, very good pick right there. But my favorite scene was, was a different scene. My favorite scene actually was, um, the moment where the doctor and Donna and excuse me, the doctor and why did I almost say River? The doctor and Martha are actually saying goodbye to each other again. And the whole context this time was so yeah. different between the two of them as characters. Yeah. I just loved if I were to compare and contrast the two, I just thought that that was done so much better. And I love that the characters had grown. I yes, wanted to I ask you a question about that, in fact. I, so I'm so glad you brought that up. I'd forgotten. The way that is staged for the camera, Martha is in the foreground, and the Doctor and Donna are sort of behind her, and they had that scene. And that's set up so that then the Doctor walks away. And instead of the, the shot being set up so that we go with the Doctor, we stay with Martha, right? So the Doctor is the one who leaves and walks away. And oh. what the camera features for us is Martha's face. And this director... Alice Troughton, who is not related to Patrick, but Alice Troughton has this moment where she gives it to Martha. And so we can get the look on Martha's face. What did you think about that look on Martha's face? Does she feel like she's made a terrible mistake or she Mm. does it? You know, I mean, the way it read to me was she does it. She says, I made up my mind. I can't keep doing this. I've got things I need to do here. Bye. And then it's like she turns to the camera and what's on her face was, ah, that's, I don't feel good about this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I realized when she turned around, she kind of paused for a moment. And to mm-hmm. me, she was just kind of contemplating. Um, I don't think in a, in a bad way. Like I'm, a, I don't know. It doesn't but she looks to- at the ring. She looks at the ring immediately after she gives that pause and she's happy all of a Well, that's good. That's good. It's, yeah. Yeah. She's lost the doctor, but she's got this guy. So. And see, I didn't see it as, see, I, I, I totally interpreted it differently. I saw more of a, not a hesitation or not a feeling of loss. I saw more as a reflection of maybe how far I've come. 
Mm, yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. When she, when she turns away from the, she sees the doctor for what she has to think is the last time. It's like, wow, have I come a long way since the first time I saw it? Huh? Yeah. Cause remember the last time it was like, she's walking back in, even after they say bye to kind of say, you know, I'm just letting you know that I'm getting out because, you know, I'm in love with you and, you know, I'm attracted to you, et cetera, and so forth. And I don't want to be sitting here waiting. And the contrast is, like you were saying, Lee, with the shot, she's letting him leave her. Or we as the viewer are seeing her. It's just totally different to me for her. And I think it was more of a sense of power, Martha Jones, not a hesitation, Martha, or melancholy, Martha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting, though. Interesting. I would love to, for people to write to us on the Discussing Network page and tell us uh, what they think about that moment if they, if they know the, if they know this episode. So, yeah. and, and you know what? I think that I know the perfect person to provide commentary mm. on that particular scene with Martha Jones. Does mm. anybody might know anybody that would fit that particular mm. uh, category? An, an uber martha fan perhaps i don't know maybe even a writer of martha fan fiction yeah hmm. so if there's anybody out who follows, there listening, who follows david Tennant like that, a stalker yes yeah. and uh is a big david Tennant fan a big martha jones fan if you yeah. are out there listening contact us you know if your name might even begin with an n contact mm. us send us some feedback we'll play it on the show we might yeah, even invite right. you on you could you could be a guest host on this very show <laughs> yeah you know so um i say uh lee did you say what your favorite scene was uh yeah yeah I, 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 it's funny that i just got all about uh jenny's uh r resurrection and uh, ascension i just thought she was <laughs> i'd forgotten now just how much fun that was so. Yeah. Well, you know, to to cap off what I was saying about the person before I go complete terminus on us, I will mm -hmm. say that Donna has been saved. Donna Noble has been saved. So since mm -hmm. she has been saved once again, I think it's time for our final rating. So, Clarence Brown, what say you? What is your final rating? <laughs> Speaking of caps, we almost got a. Uh... The doctor is going to bust a cap in your bleak moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. Really thought he was going to do it. And that's yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my rating, man. I think I think Jenny brings it up for me, man. I think she was fun. It was cool seeing Martha go on her own little adventure. I think Donna was great in this episode. David Tennant great as always. Um, I'm going to give it a three point nine. I'm going to give it three point nine. I, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. All right. So I'm, go guys. I'm going to change it up because I always go last. I'm going to go second this time. And I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a 3.92. The, and, and, and since I said 92, I'll give it a 3.92. Um, <laughs> the reason I love Jenny, I thought, uh, Georgia Moffat did a fantastic, um, episode of fantastic appearances, the character, the simple fact that her appearance there led to a very unique and totally fun real life slash Doctor Who um, jokes and stories and etc. You know, she she for alone she gives you know gets credit for that. I will say I love Martha and Donna again. And the only negative that I would give are the story points that didn't involve those characters. That kind of fell a little well just. Rewind 30 minutes and listen to us again, and you'll understand what I'm saying. So, 3.92. Lee Shackleford. I have to give it a 3.5, and it would be a 3 for story, but the presence and performance of Nigel Terry brings it up, you know, several points, and Georgia is just the cutest thing. Oh, yeah. And I, I hate to give it points just for that, because, but, <laughs> but my golly. Um, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, 3.5. All right. So my last question, I think, has to be Clarence Brown. If anyone were listening and wanted to find you on the internet, where else might you be found? Uh, you can find me chatting away on our Facebook group, which could be found at facebook.com and just search for Discussing Network. All right. Good deal. Lee Shackelford. As always, I'll keep pointing people towards, uh, the, Official 
Relativity website, which is relativitypodcast.com, our serial drama that is currently in pre-production for its spectacular last season. I don't know what I feel about that. I'm 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 heartbroken already, but I'm excited because I am, you know, going to like start hinting that I'm so excited on what comes next. Hint, hint. Mm -hmm. But thanks to the Relativity Podcast, I was exposed to another audio drama that I have <laughs> fell in love with. So I, I want to go outside our network and say <laughs> a big shout out to those from the Oz9 podcast. And um, you probably may have heard Oz9 at the beginning of this episode from their AI Olivia. So Oz9, go check them out. It is hilarious and you'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. Calling it a drama is probably not accurate. <laughs> It is it it's is pretty dramedy. doggone silly. It is a dramedy. <laughs> yes. yes. But uh, yeah. Yep. You, yeah. You, you, can't, uh, we, we can't endorse Oz9 highly enough. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, it is such, such fun. I so. will say this. You will never think of a sort of French poodle the same way again. That's true. <laughs> so for anyone listening, thank you for listening. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you being with us. Be sure to subscribe to the show. As always, we thank you, and we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?